Good morning. Welcome to Real Time with IPELRA, a podcast dedicated to HR topics in local government. I'm Megan Falera. And I'm Christina White. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are talking about the sandwich generation, how to help employees who are taking care of their parents. Before we get to our topic and introduce our speaker today, I want to let our listeners know that next week we will have Kim Richardson, the Deputy City Manager from the City of Evanston, speaking with us on racial equity in local government. On deck following Kim's appearance on the show is Yvette Heinzman from Clark Baird Smith to discuss safety sensitive positions, what considerations to take into account for these types of jobs. But with us today, I am pleased to announce Village Manager from the Village of Lincolnwood, Anne-Marie Gora. Anne-Marie, good morning. Welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Good morning. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking. Uh, Well, we are just delighted that you are able to join us today and even more delighted that you are going to share some of your personal experiences in dealing with this very important topic. So to set the context, more than one in six Americans working full-time or part-time report assisting with the care of an elderly or disabled family member, relative, or friend. Caregivers working at least 15 hours per week indicated that the assistance significantly affected their work life. The sandwich generation is made up of people who are simultaneously taking care of their children and helping their aging parents. Doesn't just mean they eat sandwiches, which is what I thought in the beginning. Now, Anne-Marie, you've been very open about your experience caring for your parents while also working with local government. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience? Sure, I'd be happy to. And just thanks for this opportunity to talk about such an important topic. Um, uh, I just want to start with both my parents were incredible individuals, and I love them more than words can say. And when they first started uh, having uh, issues with illnesses, they were living out of state. And my dad first uh, got ill, and my mom became my dad's primary caregiver and early on realized that it was just too hard uh, being away from the extended family. So Uh, The first issue I was dealing with was uh, how to support uh, both of my parents through that issue uh, remotely, you know, being more than three hours away. uh, And then also then uh, helping uh, coordinate logistics for ended up being two moves back to Illinois so that they could be closer to family. And um, uh, just seeing through the, the illness with my dad as it got progressively worse in and out of hospitals, and then just the cascading effect of how one illness affects others. Uh, the same with my mom. I mean, my, my dad ended up passing away, and uh, then it became a different situation uh, with my mom's illness. It became progressive, um, and it's just figuring out as the, as the if you want to say it, the child, the daughter, uh, how you help parents when all of a sudden there's role reversal and I had my mom looking, you know, to me to help make major life decisions, uh, uh, not only first with my dad, but then uh, with herself and then figuring out how do you care for someone um, uh, and still be able to continue to work, which is what I did. And I, I just will say to those listening, I, I, I not only did this uh, uh, um, directly with my parents, but I also have the privilege of uh, previously having two mother-in-laws. I had a mother-in-law and a stepmother-in-law. Uh, both who went through various health issues. So I've seen firsthand how important flexibility is in schedule to be able to be there and 
and help make those uh, make those life decisions. Well, thank you, Anne-Marie. I, I, I can't say, you know, in too many words that what a wonderful tribute to those um, that you have helped and, and aided um, to be able to speak on this topic and share your experience with others. Um, I, I also can't help but think about um, leave benefits and how um, the Western world addresses working hours versus the, the non-Western world and the time off and, and how we prioritize elderly in our society. In, in your opinion, do most local government employers recognize caring for elderly parents as a legitimate issue impacting employees? You know, that's a good question, Megan. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, when I look at local government, I think as a whole, we are more cognizant uh, maybe of the issue. It just seems that uh, uh, human resources just seem to be pretty advanced when it comes to, to city management. I've not seen this as an item that is always regularly discussed at conferences. And I think I would look at it that this is something that uh, definitely the light needs to be shined more brightly on it. And we need to start having more discussions on uh, uh, family-friendly policies or family flexibility. And I think ultimately this is what it comes down to is the, the flexibility in your schedule uh, to be able to continue to maintain doing your job at a high level, but also being able to provide that care that you need to for a parent or another family member that is in need. So I think we have to have a greater discussion on family flexibility in general. Agreed. And I, and I also think um, it's worth mentioning that this may have risen to the surface at this time because we are living through a pandemic that is disproportionately affecting um, our elderly and the most vulnerable members of our society. And um, employers are being forced to address this issue, whether they like it or not, because it's happening and it's happening now. No, absolutely. You're, you're right. And I think that's that's the key, I would say, catalyst or societal change is that now with the the pandemic i think there's this openness or reality is that the way that we've done things before uh is not working now and uh is not going to be successful moving forward and the pandemic has taught us that we can continue to operate organizations effectively remotely or with alternate work arrangements and so we need to take what we've learned from the pandemic and apply that moving forward and uh incorporate that flexibility within all of our organizations. Agreed, agreed. I, if, if we've learned anything from the past year, it's that people and government organizations can be much more accommodating than we previously thought, and that both are quite resilient. It seems that allowing for more flexibility in work shifts and allowing working from home may be helpful for employees who are caring for elderly parents. So how do we encourage managers to allow for this flexibility while also reducing the stigma that employees who flex their hours or work from home are actually working? Sure. I, I think it starts at the top. I mean, first of all, the who's ever um, at the helm of the organization has to be open and supportive of these policies. And it starts with your policies. It starts with your personnel manual. It starts with if you have a, a specific policy dealing with, with working remotely, uh, I think we have to, as a, a culture and as organizations and leaders, not look at uh, caring for family members differently, whether it's a child, a parent, a spouse, uh, is that 
it's someone in need. It's a part of, uh, it's a part of who you are and a part of what you need to do. So I think it's the openness that there shouldn't be viewed a difference. And if there are differences, then we all as leaders in our organizations need to review our policies to make sure there's not a different, a difference. I mean, when you think of the family and medical leave act or FMLA for short, it's about family leave. Many mm-hmm. people use it for uh, birth of children, but the reality is the FMLA applies to if you have your own illness or an illness in your, uh, in your family. So I think it's being more inclusive and open and looking at our policies and, and how we treat all of our employees. You're absolutely right. That was a great point about the FMLA. And, and the reality of it is that I don't think everyone realizes that um, it can be taken intermittently. So when you're caring for um, an elderly parent, very differently from potentially having a child, um, you may not be taking 12 weeks all at one time. It may be a, a longer stretch or period of time where you're just needed to provide care, like what you identified with just facilitating uh, doctor's appointments or um, helping where needed, where that isn't a s- specifically something that's occurring all at, at one bulk of time. Yeah. And Christine, I just follow up with that and in my own individual situation. I've taken FMLA both for uh, myself, whether it's medical issue, issue situation, I had to take time off of work, but I more importantly for this uh, discussion, I've taken FMLA time for my parents because they had been hospitalized on, on different occasions. I've also had employees in uh, my organization take time, uh, the intermittent time. So I think that there is not a, a, great, a great awareness of the intermittent FMLA time. And I think people have to be aware of that, that it can be used and it could be used successfully for each of us to deal with uh, situations that we have in each of our families. Mm-hmm. I also see employees resistant to taking FMLA, almost like it's it's a punishment or something negative, when in reality, FMLA is there to protect you. That's what it's there for. It's so that you have that job security in, in the times that you need it um, to have that leave to take care of whoever you need to take care of within the provisions of FMLA. So um, this is where I think there may be policies and some organizations may have specific policies about caretaking responsibilities, uh, whether that be for children or, or parents or whoever in the family. But um, if they don't have specific policies that cover that, I also think it's an opportunity to have those discussions with your HR professional, with your manager um, about the situation that you're facing and figure out how um, how to make it work. Because I do think with COVID, we are seeing, we're going to see a shift to much more flexibility. Um, and, and that doesn't necessarily apply to every type of position. Um, but I think the conversation needs to be held. I, I agree. And, and the thing I would add to, to this is that I think when you're having those discussions with employees, it always helps to use personal stories. So I've been very open with any of the employees that I've worked with that I've shared my personal story and I've gone more in depth than I, than I am right now, just because of, of time. But I think letting people know that you, you know, me as an individual or each of us have used FMLA time or how we've used it with our particular situation, uh, listen to the stories uh, with empathy and, and let them know about these policies so that these aren't policies that are just there to be policies they're there to be used. And, mm-hmm. and I can say as an individual, I've used them myself. You should use them if you're in a particular situation and then explain it to the employee how they can utilize those policies. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, sometimes um, we provide these benefits. We make sure they're in our personnel manual. But let's be honest, not everyone is keeping this on their bedside table thinking, you know, oh, what can I, how can I take advantage of this? Or what benefits are available to me? 
one thing we just did uh, in my organization is we recorded a like a 22 minute webinar just explaining what FMLA is, what it could be used for, how it would work, all these different things. And I posted it on our intranet so that employees who have questions who, you know, maybe they are uncomfortable talking about it or don't want to, you know, I don't know, like Christina, like you mentioned, that there's some stigma attached to it, can on their own time explore this, take a look and say, oh, this is something I might, I might be able to take advantage of. Because when you are in the throes of a, of a desperate situation, when your parents live three hours away and you're a working professional, you want to know that there is something out there to help you. And, and I think being aware of these things and knowing that you have that resource in your back pocket, should you need, be able to need to use it, is comforting. Yeah. And the other thing, Megan, I would bring up is, you know, right now we're talking about FMLA. The other thing I think it's important for uh, people listening to this podcast to think about is just flexibility in your schedule. And one of the things I wanted to bring up when I first began my career uh, working for the Village of Lombard, I saw two uh, fellow employees that uh, had definite flexibility in their schedule. One was working a 10 hour work week, you know, four 10 hour days. And then the other was working uh, with uh, a flexible schedule as far as she started a half an hour earlier than others. And so I learned and it was ingrained early in my career that flexibility just was part of uh, the organization and part of the culture. And when I went through the various issues, um, the health issues with my parents, I think that's one of the key things that uh, per, that helped me maintain my sanity and and be able to uh, continue to do my job is having that flexibility, being in that hospital room, or if I had to make a call. I mean, I was working remotely before we called it working remotely, uh, before when it was called telecommuting. So I think the other thing is to impress on people is looking at their personnel manual and their policies so that uh, we embrace that, that flexibility, which has now become uh, part of our culture in the last year because of the pandemic. And, and offering that accommodation to employees is truly one of the easiest things as employers we can do. You know, we may not be able to make this workload go away, hire extra people, increase the budget tenfold. But if we can offer this simple accommodation of, yeah, flapping, having a flap like a 30 minute, you know, come early, do this. Those are easy, easy things that we can offer that make a world of difference to employees. So outside of flexibility, are there any systems or policies specifically that you've put in place in Lincolnwood or any other place you've worked to create an environment that supports employees who may be experiencing this type of stress? You know, I, I think the, the two things is, is just the language in the personnel manual when it, when it deals with work schedules, is making sure that you have that flexibility. And then the other thing is the... Um, uh, telework or working remotely policy uh, that more recently in the last year has been updated because of uh, the pandemic. So those are a couple of things I've done, but I will say that when I um, was preparing for the podcast and reviewing what I've done, I don't think I've done enough. And in fact, I know I need to do more because uh, even though we've had the policies and I've had uh, employees throughout my career who've had family issues that have needed that flexibility, I haven't done a good enough job as a leader uh, communicating to uh, the management staff, the senior management team, that they that this should be embraced. I've done it uh, individually in my position as village manager, but I know I need to take that next step 
uh, of uh, communicating it. And one of the things I like, Megan, what you said, and I've seen more of this in particular in the last year, is using videos or uh, using alternate means of communicating with employees to let them know. So moving forward, that's one of the things I'm going to do is if, is figure out not only just to have the policies, but to live it and make sure the organization is living it as well. Well, and, um, you know, not to plug our podcast, but send this out to your managers, send this out to uh, your employees or people that you know that are going through this, you know, let them know we are listening, we are addressing this. And I appreciate that moment of humility of saying, you know, I, I, I've addressed this, but I think there's more that we can do. And I agree. Christina, what, what else can we do to support our workforce and educate our managers on the importance of this issue? I mean, I think talking about it, spreading the word, and I, Pelra, we always say training. That's always the answer for everything. Well, absolutely. I think acknowledging um, and having the conversation is always the first step. Um, the other pieces, you know, we talked about flexibility and schedule and, and remote work, and I think it's important to note um, you know, we have seen a shift over the last year because of COVID and we were, we were forced outside of our comfort zone, if you will. Um, but I think there is, there's still a desire amongst managers to sort of return to some level of normal or some level of pre-pandemic. And I think it's important to think about when we're talking about flexibility and flex flexible work schedules and remote working, um, to really think about the impact that technology has had on how we accomplish our work. Um, and when you think about having that more rigid work schedule, um, you know, does your organization expect employees and again, likely exempt employees more of the time, but do you expect those exempt employees to be answering their phone outside of work hours? Do you expect them to turn around and answer emails on, on evenings and weekends? And um, if the answer is by and large that that's occurring as a regular course of, of business because of the access to technology, um, then the opposite end of thinking that we have to live within this rigid work schedule of an eight to five Monday through Friday doesn't really make any sense. So I think that's all kind of part of the discussion and conversation that needs to be had. Um, and some of it is going to rely on, on the, the comfort level of the management and what's going on in that particular community. But I think one thing that you could do is start having these conversations. So for our listeners, if you're in an HR department or if you're an assistant city administrator or manager, um, you know, start having those dialogues with your manager group and make sure that you are applying whatever policies you have consistently across the organization and look at when you have an employee that is dealing with child care issues, for example, which has happened a lot over the last year with school closures. Are you treating those employees in a consistent manner that you would treat an employee who's dealing with a parent or a, a loved one who they have to care for? Um, and if there is an inconsistency or a different mindset to how that care is being given and what kind of support the organization is giving, I think that's an opportunity to have that conversation and look at what impact that might be having on the workforce. Absolutely. And I think one thing I want to put out, point out too is I know we've referenced intermittent FMLA leave um, simultaneously with attending hospital visits. It doesn't necessarily have to be at that critical level. Um, FMLA requires a medical certification from a doctor. So if you need to take your uh, elder, elder parent to a doctor's appointment or help them through a condition that they have, it doesn't necessarily uh, limit itself just to hospitalization. 
Uh, the other point I wanted to make is uh, currently I'm taking a class at Northwestern on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that's a super hot topic right now. And it seems like that's on the tip of everyone's tongue. And one of the phrases that we throw around left and right is creating a culture of awareness. And I think that not only applies to looking to create more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workspaces in terms of the traditional thinking of diversity, but also in terms of what our employees need. And I think we've mentioned a few things to here today that are, are helpful in doing that. Training, demonstrating a priority from leadership, creating policies, having that conversation, educating and promoting policies that already exist for employees. Um, is there anything else we wanna say on this subject for today? I know we're getting kind of near the end. Yes, uh, Megan and Christina, there's one other thing I want to point out in relation to this is that anytime you have a situation where you're helping uh, or caring for a family member or just being there for support, it increases your level of st stress. And mm. One of the conversations I always uh, share with employees and remind them is to uh, be aware of our employee assistance program or EAP for short. So inherent in all these situations that um, employees could be going through is uh, an inordinate amount of stress that is even hard to communicate at times and reminding them that they may need help. They may to, need to reach out to someone and talk to someone and deal with that stress. And I'll just share with you, I, you know, as a manager, I've been through a lot of stress in my career. Nothing compares to the stress that I felt when my parents were ill at different points in my life. And uh, the EAP is always there to be able to provide that assistance. So I think one critical thing is just reminding that to all the organizations is that don't forget that part of the discussion is giving the employees the information on the EAP, encouraging them to use it, sharing your own story, and, and, and making sure that, that they're comfortable or know that it is definitely there a great support mechanism for them. That's a great point. And we had, um, we did a show on mental health um, a few episodes back now, but absolutely it's important when you're going through this stuff to also be taking care of your own mental health and making sure that you're um, finding ways to relieve that stress. And I would also add to that, that these, these situations, especially for those that are in a sandwich generation situation where they're taking care of children and potentially um, elderly parents or, or family members, um, there may also be financial strain because of that. Um, and, and, lots of resources needed. So um, use the resources out there. There might there are tools to help through these things. Um, and again, speak to your HR department. There's always uh, opportunities to at least have a discussion. Absolutely. And I want to say in preparing for this episode, one of our um, colleagues on the board, John McMahon, shared with us two wonderful guides that we're going to post in the body of the podcast, one from Harvard and one from the AARP as a resource to navigating these issues, both personally and with your employer. So um, take a look at that. Well, Anne-Marie, thank you so much for your time today. And if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, um, how, how might we suggest they do that? They can uh, contact me at uh, Village of Lincolnwood, uh, my email. I don't know if you could post it uh, as part of the recording. Otherwise, sure. I can, you know, say it. I mean, I'd be happy to have you post both my email and uh, telephone number for them to reach out to me at Village of Lincolnwood. I'm always here uh, to be able to provide support to anybody in the profession, whether it's a question or uh, to talk through particular situations. But 
uh, I'm happy to uh, be a resource to anybody that would want to follow up. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. And if any of our listeners have anything they want to say, you know, we're listening. Send us a recorded voice message we can play or join us on a future podcast. Connect with us through the website at www.ipelra.org. And of course, on Twitter at I-P-E-L-R-A. Support IPELRA by becoming a member. We're actually going through a membership drive right now. This is a wonderful time to get involved with IPELRA. Um, there's committee assignments that don't take up very much time, and it's just a way to enhance yourself professionally and um, give back to a, a wonderful group that's given so much. You know we're dedicated to providing training and resources to HR and labor professionals and local government. Join us next time as we discuss racial equity in local government with Kim Richardson. I'm Megan Falera. And I'm Christina White. And this has been Real Time with iPowera. Thank you so much for joining us.